Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Yeah, I'm on. All right. We're running a little bit late. Free food. What can I say? <laughs> Got to get my priorities right. Huh? Oh. Why is he late? Well, this is Tuesday night Torah study at Living Messiah. Yay! And I'm not Jerry Watkins. I'm filling in for Jerry. My name's John. All right. We're running a little bit late. Free food. What can I say? That works. That's a long feedback. Okay, where were we? Uh, let's see, Jerry's... <laughs> Jerry, Mark's there laughing. Jerry and Jan are in Israel, where Hamas is throwing bombs at them, which is not good. The lawless is throwing the violence at them, which is what their name is, right? Now let's pray before we start. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the ability to get together and to study your word, to study your Torah. What an awesome thing it is. It's a privilege that a lot of people don't have, so I appreciate that. And I pray that uh, my words today will be edifying to all who are listening. And I also pray for... Uh, Jan and Jerry, when they in their time in Israel, and to, to be safe, and also the people in Israel, that despite the craziness that goes on, that they will be protected by your, <coughs> by, protected by you, Heavenly Father. So I pray these things in the power, name, and authority of your Son, Yeshua Hamashiach. Amen. So where were we last time? Forty-nine, fifty. I believe we're at Genesis chapter 50, and we got down to, we needed to start at 15. Anybody have any questions about last week, or should I go over a little bit what? Trying to remember. So Jacob dies, Joseph dies. They go to the land, they bury him, but then they come back, right? My question always has always been, at some point, why didn't they just stay? You know, the land was their, their promised land to begin with. That was their inheritance. I don't know, Yahweh never said, Joseph, I'll be with you, and, and you can't come back until... Whenever, but then you could also argue, well, he was, the prophecy was 400 years from Genesis 15, so there you go. Well, let's just start at 15. Oh, we need the mic. Who's got the mic? Mike's not here. 
How about if I read until someone else gets the mic and then they can take over? Genesis 15, and I'll read down to the, to the end. And by the way, here I'm on myhebrewbible.com. This is my website. So if you want to check it out, go ahead. So here we go. Genesis 50, verse 15, the last chapter of, the, of Genesis, of Bereshit. <clears throat> and when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will pre-adventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespasses, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil now. And we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for, I, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much, more, much people alive. Verse 21. Now, therefore, fear you not, I will <clears throat> nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. <clears throat> and Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house, and Joseph lived a hundred and ten years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation, the children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were brought up unto Joseph's knees. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land and into the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath out of the children, and Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being a hundred and ten years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. There's quite a bit there, actually. Any thoughts on this? What did you think of the, the idea that uh, the brothers went to him and said, Well, Dad said, you, <laughs> you can't hold a grudge against us. You've got to be nice. We've got, we got a question here, Mike. Do you think he really did say that? Uh, I would guess not. I think it kind of even says that. It, Where? Does, it says it. Your father gave this command before he died. What, what verse, verse is that? Verse 16. Chapter 50, 50 ver, verse 16. Hi, Margaret. That was the question, right? The question, yeah. Did they? Whether the father really said it or not was the question. Whether they just made that up. I think it's debatable whether how much 
Jacob knew what all went down. I mean, I think he kind of probably figured it out, but he probably didn't want to know either. <laughs> you know? Yeah, in verse 15. So, of chapter, last chapter, chapter 50. So if you click it, don't click that because that will show the whole list. But that just, that's just there to indicate you that in this verse, there is one. So if you click it, it will bring up that verse in Hebrew word order. order. And so the standalone law of Tav is down here. Huh? The 14th word. Right. So it's uh, in my uh, version says that um, in verse uh, 16, uh, they instruct that Joseph be told, your father gave orders before his steps, saying, thus you will say to Joseph, so on and so forth. But uh, it's like uh, he gave the order to do this. I don't understand it myself. But. Yeah, well, that's what they said he said. So it's uh, what you call hearsay, right? Now, I don't, you know, I, they also said to their father, Who's, uh, whose clothes are these with this blood on it? We don't know. Oh, they're Joseph's. Oh. So, you know, we were comparing the things that... Uh, between Yeshua and Joseph, and one of them is Joseph wept when they heard, when they spoke unto him. Why do you think that he wept? Because he really think. wanted to do something and take it against him, but oh, they, his father said he can't do it, so he can't do it. Talk, Ghana, I'm gonna cry. No, I think that he had felt like he had proven to them in his actions that they'd been forgiven all along and it hurt him to think they didn't recognize it well he said that too right when they when he revealed himself i wonder if i have it in my notes here when he revealed them to himself he says don't worry go ahead mike Pro probably more than likely he was just hurt, hurt. That they would even think that bring the subject up after so many years. Well, they're not bringing it up because, I mean, I'm assuming they're bringing it up because they don't believe that he's not going to, you know, right. he's going to be like, they're thinking like he's almost like Esau. It's like, as soon as father dies, I'm going to get you. Yeah. And so, why would they bring it up? Why bring up something that's, I mean, w well, they're probably living in guilt. Yeah, and uh, but they're and they're jo still living Joseph, under guilt, and they don't Joseph, believe. Joseph uh, put it behind him, but they couldn't do it. May, yeah, maybe they just couldn't do it. Thing I was wondering was, uh, uh, Joseph was 110. I wonder if he outlived his brothers, seeing he was one of the younger, or. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know, but he's what he leaves lives 
20 some odd years less than his father? Doesn't his father have to be 130 something? 147. 147? Or 140, it's even more, or, 30 years. Any other questions? I think we can see that uh, ages are decreasing since the flood, so right. men are living a little bit shorter. Looking at my notes here. This verse here, 15, the one with the olive top that requit, and the King James, let me bring that back up again. Requit. Is yeshiv, and I have a note that that's similar to To sozo, which is the Greek sozo. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It's, it's yeshiv is like return, I think. Maybe I was stretching it a little bit, but footnote L. Here's the Strong's shuv is the root of that, right? Where? Ve? Yeah, you're right. It's the same. It's the same strong numbers, isn't it? Notice that. Ve hashev, shev being the. Yeah, uh, I was just saying. There's two. There's two Hebrew words here. Same strong number back to back. It's ve hashev yashiv. So hold on here. You go look at my articles, myhebrewbible.com slash article, and I have a reference, and it's a reference to number 451. So I type in 451. So, yeah, this is the one you want to read. It's even got a star behind it. That means I like it. Go ahead, Mark. So we have this same word, well, same concept. Both of them mean to return twice back to back. So what do we learn about Hebrew when we see a word repeated? It puts on emphasis? Yes. Emphasis? Uh, what do I have on my notes here? Uh, let me look at my, my word study that I did. This is the one where, here, I'll just read a quick introduction. This is that word study of Shuv, Strong's number 87.25, the one that's used twice in this verse, and comparison it to the strong, uh, Greek number, G4982, the Greek word being sozo. Let me read this here. 
Consider these verses, the first one from Isaiah 10.22 and the second one from Romans 9.27, where Paul is quoting Isaiah. I embolden the words that are the same and highlighted in yellow the one word at the end of the emboldened words that are different. Isaiah says return and Romans says saved. Also the Septuagint, which is the Old Testament translation into Greek, uses the same Strong's number in Isaiah as is used in Numbers 9.27. So here's Isaiah 10.22. For, for though thy people Israel be as the sand of the sea, yet a remnant of them shall yeshuv, return. The, the, the consumption decreed shall overflow with righteousness. I don't know what that part of that verse. And then I show it here in Greek. Right, you see it's the LXX, that's the Septuagint. And it has the same Strong's number here, G9482, as it does into Romans. Which is a good example of why we're interested in the Septuagint. It connects the Old Testament with the New Testament. So here, here's, what, here's what Romans says. Here's what Paul says. Romans 9.27. Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. Well, saved and return are... Return implies... I'm being saved maybe from going in this direction that I ought to not be going, but it doesn't, save by itself, doesn't tell you any direction. It, is Mike. that a misinterpretation in the New Testament, you would say? Well, let me keep going here on my word study. Word study analysis. Question. For the Hebrew word shuv, this is what I've determined. Check it out for yourself. For the Hebrew word shuv, how many times out of 1,339 times is it translated save? When I looked at it, not once. For the Greek word sozo, how many times out of the 120 times is it translated as return? Not once. Now, I don't know, that seems a little deceptive to me. Why are they re habitually refusing to use the word, the translation? I guess you could blame it on King James because it's the translations that's the problem. It's not the Greek or the Hebrew. It's what word do you choose? So that's important because if you understood it that Yeshua allowed me to return, like the tribes, like the, his 12 brothers, right? Allowed them to return and, be, and to bring back the family together, to bring peace amongst the family. That's kind of important, Deb. What word do you use here? Don't you agree? Yeah, we talked about this one before. So if you want to look at that, word, that document, go ahead. Check it out. Um, again, go to the My Hebrew Bible, look at the articles, and just type in the number, 451. John, question. Go ahead, Mike. So the, the Greek word sozo, sozo, is that it? Sozo, that, yeah. That does mean saved or does it mean return? Well, I think 
I, I suppose you could argue sometimes it, use, it could be saved, but when you use it in the Septuagint, it's far more, it's almost, like I said, it was always, the, in, the Greek, in the translation of the King James, they never say return for that word, yet in the Septuagint, or in the Hebrew, and the references that it's found in the Septuagint, that's almost always what they use. So it's like blatantly a bad translation. Is it going out of the way to avoid, I mean, at least one time or a few times uses the word. It never uses it. It's just, I've been saved. Well, what does that mean? Right? And if he's quoting Romans, who's quoting Isaiah? So in a first century mindset, if, if I understood both Hebrew and Greek, trying to understand, you know, my, my main language is Hebrew. I've learned Greek growing up as an adult. I understand completely what shuv means, but I also understand as a Hebrew that if I've shuved, if I've returned to God, I am saved. I've, I've been saved from all of the curses that are going to come upon me that he said would come if I don't return to him. Right. So to me, from a Hebrew mindset, to return is all about salvation because I'm being, I'm being saved from the calamity that's going to for sure come upon me because he promised it. Especially, especially the northern kingdom because they're the ones that were sent out to get given the get. So maybe the issue is I couldn't, as a, as a Hebrew uh, man that grew up in Hebrew, I'm trying to struggle for a Greek word that captures this salvation as a as a result of returning and the only thing i could come up with is sozo well that but that's not that's not the problem because it's the translation in the king james that i'm having the problem with they never i mean i can understand save it means save all right what but if you never say return if you never translate that greek word and do a little bit of effort to try to find out what it is in the, uh, what it was used in the Hebrew and, and, you know, in the, in the, in the Septuagint Greek for that word, it's never used that way. I just find that. The conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. The highest order and the greatest magnitude, as my friend used to say. All right. Any other thoughts before we go on? As I look at my notes and cheat, that was in the previous. John. Yes. Do you think at the time that this was being translated for the king, was there some motivation to not use that return? I mean, was there some, they felt political pressure or some kind of, that they would be encouraging some kind of something Maybe to happen? Maybe King James, or they'd all leave England and go to Israel or something. Right. right. <laughs> or, or America or something. Yeah. yeah, you didn't want that to happen. I must follow my leader because they are my people. I must follow my people because I am their leader. Something like that. Um, let me go back to 16. Now, 
Yeah, we'll talk about that. All right. What other what are the thoughts did you get out of this? So we find out Joseph lives 110 years. And and Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation, the children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, who brought up who was were brought up upon Joseph's knees. This kind of sounds like when they did the switcheroo, right? Because Ephraim and Manasseh were at, at uh, Joseph's knees. But then we thought, well, but they're old. They're not like kids. That's kind of how we concluded. Let's look at this Hebrew word knees. I think he meant knees. the uh, grandchildren. Not well, this is almost the third generation. That's another thing to remind you. Mark has a question. Let's Just looking at the needs. Hebrew here on verse 16, it says, So they sent a message, message to Yosef, saying, Your father, my English says, charged. The Hebrew word is zava, which uh, is connected to the word mitzvah. So, so like Joseph, well, he's not here. Where'd Joseph go? So you have, we know what mitzvah is. It's a command here that Zavah is charge, or in other words, he's giving you an order. Right. We're supposed to, we're supposed to honor his judgments, his shoftim, his, his Torah, his statutes, his ordinance, and his mitzvah is one of those, his commandments. So do we see that up here? This is the word. That's the Strong's number, 86680. Tzadik, with the dot underneath, makes it an E sound. C, like pants or pizza. C, and that's the Vav. You know, that's interesting. I wonder why it's not a B sound. Tziba. Tziba, right? Not, this is a bad, that dot in there. Yeah, that's what this, because of the dots there. The dot in the middle of this vav makes, makes it a hard. Oh, well, I'm. I would think it would be a ba because it has the digestion. That makes the, the vav a hard. But anyway, that's the word. You're right. It's tziva, like mitzvah. Mitzvah just has, that's the root. And that mem in front of it is just. From commandments or something like that. All right. I was looking at 23. When I wanted to look up this word, knees, Joseph knee, Joseph's knees, and that's uh, Barak. Um. Yeah, here it was. Remember we talked about it in Genesis 48. And Joseph brought them, Ephraim and Manasseh, out from between his knees. 
and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. So I think it's, this is the same word as like Baruch or blessings, I think. The root of it is anyway. Oh well. But it also says, and Joseph saw that Ephraim's children of the third generation. One thing that was interesting about Moses that I picked up last time we went through this, and, and, and when, they're, when Yahweh is giving them the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, it says, I will curse you. <clears throat> if you provoke me to jealousy, I will perverse you, you what? To the third or the fourth generation. And he's talking to Moses. Well, Moses is literally someone who's from the third generation of his mother's side, I think, and the fourth generation of his father's side. And here it mentions third generations again. So it's implying that, I guess, that there's three generations that are going to be in the land of, its, of Mitzrayim, and then they're going to leave. What I got out of it. Here's again one of those double, double words. Verse 24. And Joseph said unto his, brother, his brethren, I die and God will surely visit you. I like this word visit. A code, ye've code. See they're the same Strong's number there? And code is like, he says that in Exodus 20 as well, I think. I will surely visit you. When God comes to visit, I don't think he's going to talk about the cubs, or the weather, or whatever. I think he's going to come and talk serious stuff. So, it's a serious matter. <laughs> Sorry, cubs fans. All right, and Joseph took an oath. Okay, we read this. All right, let's go to the next chapter, unless somebody has, the, which is the next book. So the next book in English is, is Exodus. And in Hebrew, what is the word? Do you know? Shemot. Shemot. And the reason it's called Shemot Here we go. Well, how do they, first of all, how do they get the names of the books in the Torah? It's the first few words, and it's also the name of the Parsha. So the name for Genesis in Hebrew is Bereshit, and the name of the Parsha, the very first Parsha of the Torah is Bereshit. Same thing with Exodus. All the names of the books are the first Parsha, that's the name. That's what they give the name for the Parsha. So if we look here, we should find Shemot, and there it is. Now these, ve-ele-ele, the names, ve, or, yeah, no, I'm sorry, Shemot. Anybody see that? That's the name of the Parsha, it's the, of the first Parsha of Exodus, and it's the name of the book of Exodus. All right, let's read to verse 7. Who wants to read? 
And yes, there's a standalone all the top there as well. Look at that. And these are the names of the children of Israel who came to Mitzrayim with Yaakov, each one with his household. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Yehuda, Issachar, Zebulon, Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. And all those who were descendants of Yaakov were 70 beings, as Yosef was already in Mitzrayim. And Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation, and the children of Israel bore, bore fruit and increased very much, multiplied, and became very strong, and the land was filled with them. Thank you. So we, we go through the name again, the names. Just by looking at it, it looks like it's the same order. Not that that really matters. Yes. Starts off in the order Benjamin's of Benjamin's in the middle, though. Benjamin, oh yeah, he's not in the, that's what I have order, isn't it? Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher. Let's look at this standalone all of top just for fun. Which came unto Egypt, so... These are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt, standalone all top, with Jacob, every man, and his household came. So this kind of reminds just to speculate. It's like God is between the sons of Israel, the buffer between the sons of Israel and Egypt. Um, here's another interesting point. Um, and Glenn McWilliams makes a big point about this. I think all of the books in the Torah, except the Bereshit, start with a vav. The vav, what is the, you know what the symbol of the vav is? The well, that's what it, that's the meaning, yeah. But what's the symbology of it? What does it symbolize? Nail. Man. So the idea is it nails it's nailing them, all the parcels together. It's not like there's this uh, big gap, like you can separate them separately. Some of the theologians will try to make the argument that the God of Genesis is different than the God of Exodus and different than the God of Leviticus. I don't, I don't buy that. But if you went and read, let's go back and read just for fun, let's go back and read the last verse of Genesis. I'll open it up over here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Now these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Every man of his household came with Jacob. Kind of flows. Uh, what will we talk about here? Mark has something. Well, good, I can look at my notes. You know, we were talking the other day about uh, uh, Brit-ish. Right. As Brit is the covenant, Ish is man. And uh, so over in England, they had that name, whether that, some would say, oh, well, you're making, you're, 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 Trying to make something out of that, 
But so we have here in verse 7 that uh, it says, but the sons of Israel were fruitful. Well, the Hebrew word here is, it's normally peri, or but fruitful? in this uh, verse 7, it's usually the word is peri, like Ralphie's wife, peri. Mm-hmm. But in here, in this one, it's paru. Right. I wonder if that's where peru you know, it's interesting how uh, if if the Hebrews actually went south and into that part of the country, part of the land, you can see how some of these words may have been a derivative of the actual Hebrew word. It's the same thing for Miami. It's got two mems. What is mems? Surrounded by mems. You're surrounded by water. Fun stuff. Here is an interesting footnote. If you go look at my article on Exodus chapter 1 and 2, which is article number 997. Um, in verse 5, and, and all the souls that came out of, out of the loins of Jacob were 70. The Septuagint says 75. So I think it depends on how you count them. Now, if you're counting the women or not, I think was part of the problem, the part of the question. But it's interesting how the, why does the Septuagint say 75 and the Torah say 70? Well, you would think the Septuagint would like the number because Septuagint means 70. But then they wrote 75. Uh, John, uh-huh. um, after Joseph died, and then uh, in verse 8, it says, a new king arose who did not know of Joseph. How many years was there that separation between uh, when uh, Joseph died and his new king that came upon the seeing of new well, Pharaoh? I would say three generations. Because remember, Joseph, he only lived to, only lived to 110 and it says he lived to the, to see whatever his name was, Mahur or something. And uh, it's like, why is he pointing over there? So I think it's, it, it, may have been, it may have been a couple of pharaohs. Go ahead, So Mark. I'm not sure if you were the one that told me this about this new king. Were you the one that was telling me about the new king in Egypt? Ken? So... What I had heard was, because you know what, in the, uh, in the scriptures it says, it calls the Pharaoh of Egypt an Assyrian. Assyrian? Yeah, it's, it says, you know, the, the Assyrian oppressed him in Egypt. There's a scripture that says the Assyrian oppressed him in Egypt. I always try to figure out, what in the world are you talking about? Assyrian is, these are the people up here, north, north, East of Israel, what, what's that all about? Well, I heard a, 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 a word that this new king was actually an Assyrian king. Well, here's my footnotes on the... I don't know if you can read that. I can't really make it any bigger. From the TSK, the Treasure of Scripture's Knowledge, a new king, probably, they say, probably Ramses Miamum. 
or his son uh, Amenophis, who succeeded him about this period, and, and by his not knowing Joseph is meant he, uh, his not acknowledging his obligation to him. And that gives some references there. New king equals a fresh dynasty. New. Here is used in the sense of being quite different from what preceded. Compare heteros in Exodus 7.18. Another of a different kind, not a los, another kind. This pharaoh was of a different race and yes. dynasty. Yes. Different race. By, so the it, thought is he's actually an Assyrian that came in uh, through marriage or something. So he's got this Assyrian root. And what's interesting is who is it that's always trying to knock off Israel? It's well, the Assyrians. The Assyrians. It's yeah. the Assyrians. They took the northern tribes out. It's the same Assyrian that's the, that the scripture says is the Antichrist coming in the end day that wants to destroy Israel. Well, let me, let me finish this. Uh, it's, this Pharaoh was of a different race and dynasty as shown by Josephus, who says, quote, the crown being come into another family. Antichus, Antichus 2, 9. He was the Assyrian of Isaiah 52.4. See Appendix 37, the pharaohs of Genesis and Exodus. This is in the companion Bible notes. So there you go. The guy that does... Uh, huh? So if, it, if it's the Assyrian that always comes in as trying to knock off, you know, had it stayed that same line of, of king, then there wouldn't have been a problem. But this different race, this different lineage comes in, who probably has an axe to grind against Israel. Uh, he comes in and says, you know, I'm, I don't want these people here. I want, I, want, I want them to be my servants. And so it's this same Assyrian that's going to rise up in the end time that's going to try to do the same thing. Yeah. Um, uh, so... Then and it, what does it mean to not know Joseph? To me, that means I'm not honoring your whatever covenant you had from the previous pharaoh doesn't apply to me anymore. He's gone as a new party here, so there's no contract, there's no treaty. Right. So this is the companion, Bob. Who's the guy that does the uh, the the commentary on the stars that you like? Uh, Bollinger, that's his Bible. That's his, that's his companion Bible. What was that? The companion Bible. That's his translation or the notes that he put on that. That's where I got that from. Uh, uh, talking about uh, another king um, that uh, my... My translation says, uh, going back here, a new king arose over Egypt who right. did not know of Joseph. Evidently, maybe this new king, as Mark said, was an Assyrian, but surely uh, was this new king even born? And how old was he? Well, I, and, I, uh, and the fact is that... Uh, if he was, if the Assyrian, if I was an Assyrian, surely he would have known about Egypt and known about the, the famine and everything else. 
So uh, why did he not know of Joseph or know who Joseph was? Well, I don't think it's... Uh, my interpretation is I don't have a treaty. The treaty that the former Pharaoh had with Israel was null and void. I'm not honoring that anymore. It's not like I didn't know him. It wasn't like I was, I'm not aware of the history. It's... Uh, it's It's, it's the treaty is, is null and void. If, if, you know, Nazi Germany invades France and they have a treaty with Spain or whatever, I'm not honoring that. That's, I'm not a party to that contract. I'm not a party to that treaty. That was with the guy I just killed. <laughs> He's dead. Doesn't work. Um, yeah, expanding on the, the new king. A little louder. Um, so, oh, sorry. Expanding on the new king, um, when the Assyrians did come in, uh, in Egyptian history, it talks about the great humiliation because the Egyptian army hadn't been basically conquered in such a way to where that new family had found their way in. They, they'd lost uh, a temporary chunk of records where they weren't able to keep records. They lost and, their records? Well, they, they didn't because of the war and with the new king coming in and his dynasty. And so that Assyrian is, is very likely the aftermath after the great humiliation in Egyptian history. Right. I, yeah, it's a whole, to me, it's a whole new dynasty. Mark? <laughs> so, so I'm going to uh, take the other end of the viewpoint on this, and that is, just like when Israel was subdued, uh, the conquering nation put up a, a king. What if this is a guy who had? Because I mean, if you were if you were from Egypt, if you were an Egyptian, growing up in the royal house, you would know all about it. Sure. I'm not so certain it's this. He just doesn't want to honor it. I'm thinking he has no idea of what he did for these people. And I think he's, he, like it's like suggested by Josephus, he's from a whole different race, a whole different people. And he may have come in, whether it's marriage or through conquering, got set up like Herod did to be uh, a ruler over the nation. Uh, Herod had no idea of the history of, you know, like the, the, the Israelis do. So it could be that kind of scenario. Well, so, but what, the question is, why does, it, why does this all matter? Because it affects my relationship as, as an Israelite, I, I used to have, I used to live in a government that respected who I was and what I was doing and, the, and, and my God and the, and the authority that he gave me. So now someone else is coming in and it's like, well, wait a minute, this, you know, I, that doesn't work very good for me. If, I've, if I'm doing, if I'm being productive in, this con in the country and I'm uh, be operating in righteousness and being allowed to operate in righteousness, Either way, whether he has evil intent, knows very well about it, or doesn't have evil intent, he's just does, ignorant of what's going on, if he's not going to honor that thing, then it's, that's the problem. To the point where they go into bondage, which we'll read about. Make sure you speak into it. Good. Yeah, no problem. More on the history, too, with the, the great humiliation. Uh, one of the, the buried tombs that they had found uh, uh, it had a fresco painting in it. Fresco? Uh, yeah, fresco painting in it that the art style tied back to the island of Crete uh, okay. in the, the labyrinth 
uh, mazes in their main temple section in the island of Crete. So it could have been very well been, you know, descent, you know, through Assyria, but they still carried those same art forms because that was the only other place that that style of fresco was ever found, and it was found in Egypt. Okay. Um, in uh, verses uh, 8, expounding more on that, the king, new king, or he did not know, so he said to his people, Behold, the people, the children of Israel, are more numerous and stronger than we. Come, let us outsmart it, at least it becomes numerous, and it may be that if a war will occur, why did they think that? And also, uh, it too may join our enemies. Or who was the enemy at this time? And wage war against us and go up from the land. Evidently, oh. there was a fear among this well, new king. And so, I, don't, I don't understand where that fear might have come from. So we haven't actually, let's read these verses. because We haven't actually read them. Since you got the mic, would you mind just reading from 8 to 14? 8 to 14? Yeah, we haven't read it. We didn't actually read them yet. A new king arose over Israel, over Egypt, who did not know a Joseph. He said to his people, Behold, the people, the children of Israel, are more numerous and stronger than we. Come, let us outsmart it, least it becomes numerous, and may be, if a war will occur, it too may join our enemies and wage war against us and go up from the land. So they appointed taxmasters over it in order to afflict it with their burden. It built story cities for Pharaoh, Petron, and Ramus, but as much as they could afflict it, so it would increase. And so it and so it would spread out, and they would and see, and so it was spread out, and they became disgusted because the children of Israel. Egypt enslaved the children of Israel with crushing harshness. They embittered their lives with hard work, with mortar, and with bricks. And with every labor of the field, all their labors that they performed with them were with crushing harshness. Thank you. So your question was, was part of the, what you just read, right? So let's just go through this, and I'll be already read about this new king. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are mightier, are more and mightier than we. So he's kind of trying to divide these people, I, I would argue, because maybe because he, he knows they have a lot of power, because they're blessed by God. Come, come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there, fall, there falleth out any war, they join us, join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so uh, get them up out of, the, out of the land. Well, he's being a little prophetic because that is actually what happens. He gets Israel out of the land anyway. But, if this was the Pharaoh that knew Joseph, he wouldn't be, this sounds like somebody's a little paranoid. Or his, his claim to 
the authority in Egypt is tenuous, and he's concerned that these guys are going to cause them to lose power. Is that a reasonable analysis? or Maybe he was uh, frightened of a uh, uprising. Right, which is what happens when you have a dictator. or They're always worried about someone taking them out. Instead of just not, if, if everybody has, if the power is lowered to the people, you know, the best government is government that governs least and closest to the people, then whoever the strongman is is almost kind of irrelevant, or whoever the head of that is is kind of irrelevant. Isn't that much power? He had just leadership. The people wouldn't upright, uprise. Right. That implies you have just people, too. That's the key part. They got to go together. I was interested in this word here. Let us deal wisely. Nit, this is a big word. Nit chakme. Chakma. Nit chakma. Is that the serpent? Is he, is he wisely like this guy? Let's look at the strongs. Trying to see what, no, this is the first time it's used. Exodus verse 10. Oh well. Any other thoughts? You think he's paranoid like I am, or am I being paranoid that I think he's paranoid? I think Joe's version said outsmart. So maybe it's just not paranoid. It's, you know, just. Well, he may be smart about. Yeah. He may be try to use things to outsmart him. But his motivation for doing that is. Is paranoia. I would say it's paranoid. <laughs> but. My complaint here is, so how did they outsmart him? What would be ways of outsmarting them? Seems to me, if their true power comes from Yahweh, they have to do something to separate themselves from Yahweh or, or to get them to stop doing things that they would normally have done if they weren't being outsmarted. That makes sense. So You need to guard your covenants, what I'm trying to get at. That's the key thing for me. Shomer Habrit, guardian of the covenant. All right, let's keep going. 15 through 21. Who wants to read? You have a I comment? Got, I got a comment before I go. That, that was a good point. I think, I think usually when you're in a land, you're, you come to a different land and you start gradually Getting accepting... Soft? Their traditions and customs, whether they be good or not. And then after Joseph died, I'm sure it was like, you know, there's no more real head anymore. Right. You get soft. Yeah. You're not hungry anymore. Well, you get you get uh, not not necessarily soft, but you just kind of go along and, um, you know, just 
just, just let go things. Ahead. Let's just go along. Yeah. Don't let's stir not, up trouble. We got let's things not good. Stir, yeah. Let's we not got stir it good trouble. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? We got it good here. <laughs> okay. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom's named was Sephora, which means beauty, and the other named Pusha, uh, which means splendor. When you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birthstool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and then in amplified it has in brackets with profound reverence or reverence, sorry, and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded, but they let the boy babies live. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and allow the boy babies to live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth quickly, and their babies are born before the midwives can get to them. So God said, <clears throat> "So God was good to the midwives and the people of Israel." Um, oh, sorry. And the people of Israel uh, multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, and then again it has in brackets with profound reverence, he established families, and households for them. And then the Pharaoh That's commanded... It. Just go to there. Oh. That's good. Any thoughts on that? It's always fascinated me that the gift... Oh, I'm sorry. We haven't come to that yet. So I'll wait. So, you guys know... Anybody know who Dennis Prager is? Yes. Who Dennis Prager is? He has a he's a conservative guy, radio talk show host, host, Jewish radio talk show host, been around for a long time. Anyway, I think I think someone asked him. He says, "What is your favorite story?" And he says, "Or your favorite people? Maybe that's what it was." And he says, "It's these these midwives." I mean, think about it. What are they? They told the Pharaoh to go jump in a lake, essentially. Where's the men in this story? You know, oh, you can go ahead and wipe out, wipe out the children, the, the, the boys. By the way, I'm going to answer my own question. How does he sneakily overcome that in the previous verses? How about you break the covenant? The covenant is the sacred contract as it passes from one generation to the other. And how is it done? It's done through the seed of the boy. Right? So if that covenant's broken, there the power and authority of Yahweh is severely diminished, if not gone. It shows too that the uh, mothers of the Hebrews they uh, didn't fully Egyptianize their perspective because they were still keeping, you know, true to true to Yahweh without faltering, since they had that the bravery to not follow with the fort with. Pharaoh had said because they knew that it was just and righteous in the eyes of the Most High. Right. So, so would you think they were circumcised on the eighth day? Why not? Well, 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess they were. I don't know. How important is that? We're going to read in the next chapter, or chapter 3 or chapter 4, it will say, And the Lord came to kill Moses, or kill his son. It doesn't really say. Why? You remember? What was the controversy? What's her name? Zipporah? He says, you are a bloody husband to me. What was the controversy? Circumcision. The covenant of the Brit. This is not the first time, well, this is probably the first time that the enemies of God, pagans, order the boy babies killed. Pharaoh or uh, Herod did the same thing in the New Testament. He ordered all the baby boys killed under three years old, I believe. And also with concerning this fact that these uh, uh, ha- uh, handmaidens, when uh, they said to Pharaoh that uh, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. In fact, they give birth before anybody knew it. And also through these, through this is a uh, path towards Moses and eventually to Yeshua. It's an online, it's an online journey through scriptures that if Moses had not been found, would there have been a Yeshua? Or how would this thing plan out? Well, Yeshua is from the tribe of Judah, not from the tribe of Levi, but your, but your point is, is, is important. And the, re, why, the, the reason I think it's important is because that's how the generation gets past. That's how the, the covenant passes down. It's got to go through the, the, uh, the, especially the firstborn son. He's the one with the birthright. He's the one with the authority. And, you know, go ahead. Do you have a question, Mark? Yeah, I just had a comment uh, on 17 that the midwives feared Elohim and did not kill, um, and did not as the king commanded. <laughs> so the little white lie comes in here. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, <laughs> it's I, like another, I don't know if this another is another situation to where were they justified in lying? Well, we don't, that's what they say. We don't know whether it's true. I, yeah. I probably is a, a fib, but, you know, yeah. let's see. I'm going to kill eight uh, all the, the yeah. all the the children the boys of Israel, or I'm going to tell little Phil. Yeah. Not hard for me to figure yeah. that out, right? Yeah, it's not. You have to weigh what what's going to save your skin. So, well, and not only that, <laughs> what does the what does the Torah say about what happens to those women? Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied, and they waxed very mighty. And it came to pass because the midwives feared God that he made them houses. It says houses here in the King James. I would assume houses full of children. Bet-deem or bat-team. They likely, though, um, didn't fib. They likely were being blessed with, with that quick reproduction process because they were supposed to multiply to be delivered out of the land. So very likely they told the truth on them being born faster than the midwives could get there. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's, that's not, it's not a foregone conclusion, but it's not like, 
Why, why then does, does, are they blessed? Because they, they did a terrible job of doing what the Pharaoh wants? I mean, I'm not, it's not, I can't, it doesn't really say. We're kind of speculating what it says. But there, are, are these, let me ask you this. Do you think these women are brave? Unbelievably brave. Where, my question is, where's the men? Where's the, you know, where's the men that are supposed to be protecting the, uh, this covenant? They could have possibly, the midwives could have told the women, don't call us until after you've delivered, and then we'll help you clean up if you want your baby to live. Right. And that way they really didn't tell a lie. But I was going to say that I think it's important to re for me to recognize that God could have given them a Cadillac, a new horse, uh, anything, but he chose a gift that he believed to be the most precious in his sight to give was children. Right. The question becomes, why aren't they, they so it implies that they didn't have children or they, didn't, they weren't married, I guess. I'm reading into that, but it seems reasonable to me. Of, of the women in the Bible, I think it's, it's um, you know, it's good to point out that they're named specifically by name here, and not right. only that, but their names, one of them was Splendor and the other was Beauty, was it? Right. Yeah, so, um, you know, they were, um, it, it seems like they were pretty sure of themselves in what they were doing, and if you take midwives, I mean, you're talking, you're talking, um, you have to be a strong person <laughs> to be delivering babies. <laughs> strong. Uh, and confident, I guess. Uh -huh. You have to be confident, I yeah, would think. Yeah, confident, strong. And so um, I think that has something to, something to, you know, to do. Um, I think probably Yahweh did bless the, uh, the Egyptian women with an easy delivery to where they probably had, they were probably delivered before they got there. And so it wasn't up to the midwives, you know, to, to kill them because they were the ones that, that were told to kill them, the babies. Right. It wasn't like the parents were going to kill their own children. So, or knowing the edict that was out there, Maybe they just didn't call them. <laughs> well, you know, if they knew if they knew this was going to happen, they probably just didn't call them and say we're going to like like Pam, uh, Pat said. You know, there are clearly fears of Yah, and if Yah says, then, I mean, who 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 is someone who has fear of Yah and knows that this is would know that this is a wrong thing? Well, so they're they're making it work. They're making it work so. They don't have to do what what the Pharaoh wants, and the Pharaoh doesn't. Does the Pharaoh go after them and 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 kill them or whatever? No, because it says that they were they lived in, or they were they prospered. Go ahead, Mike. Well, it seems like uh, when the verse previously up there about uh, they wanted to deal wisely, I guess in their own wisdom. But I guess his first tact was to pull these midwives aside and say, look, you know, these babies are born, you just kill them. So it's possible that they were the only ones who knew about it at first. You know what I mean? Right. So that the, the men were not aware, or even the, even the mothers for that matter, 
And uh, I don't know. Because it, it didn't work for Farrell, that is. Yeah. But it seems to me it's like, honey, weren't you pregnant? Didn't you have triplets who were expecting threes? Where are they? Oh, let's try again. Here, here's something what you said a couple minutes ago about the midwives. You know, where is the, the husband? So I'm thinking, were they married? You know? No, no, I'm... I the, I would assume the midwives were married. I'm guessing, but mm -hmm. I'm talking obviously the children they're delivering for. I'm assuming they were married. Right. No, I just you know I was in the same playing plain field that you were because of you were asking where the men. Right. All this you know to say you know we ain't gonna do this, King. Right. Exactly. You know? That's what I'm saying. They're the ones that should be a standard. Why are these women doing this job? And it's clearly the. <laughs> they were with Adam. They were with what? Adam. Adam. I know somewhere behind the. Big tree or something? Would the uh, men have potentially been out there, you know, working overtime as far as the clay bricks and everything? Where was it? They weren't even given possible chance to get off of that work or get home to. Could their... be, but then the question is, how'd they get in that spot? You can always back it up and blame it on somebody else, but at some point, somebody's got to cowboy up and do the right thing. And here it's these women, it's cowgirls that are doing it. They, they found time to make the babies. Well, all right, and I'm beating a dead horse. Ha <laughs> ha. Dead cow. I don't know. I think this, I, I agree with Dennis. I think this is really powerful. It's really, you know, think about it today. Don't go to the hospital. Go, go, no, don't go to MIF. Go to the abortion clinic over there. That's what the Pharaoh wants you to do. Yeah, let's do that. And the last verse of this chapter, and Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, every daughter ye shall save alive. So I guess there is, he can't convince them to kill him, but we'll throw him into the, to the, to the river god. Right? Make sacrifices to the river god, maybe. What time is it? We got 15 minutes. We'll go to chapter 2. We ready? Chapter 2? Who would like to read? Let's see, read to uh, 6. Now a man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and gave birth to a son when <clears throat> she saw that she was, or that he was beautiful and healthy. She hid him for three months. Um, when she could no longer hide him, she got him a basket made of papyrus reeds and covered it with tar and pitch, making it waterproof. Then she put the child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. And his sister, Miriam, stood some distance away to find out what would happen to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the Nile, and her maidens walked along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and, and sent her maid and she brought it 
to her. She opened it and saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. And she took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Okay. Thank you. So the question is, how do we know they're Hebrews? Likely the circumcision. And why do you do the circumcision? Seems like the thing to do, or what? No, not at all. Part of the covenant. It's part of the, it's the sign of the covenant. I don't know if he's got the word Hebrew statute to on his rear end or not, but I think it's because he's got a circumcision, because they're honoring the covenant. Any any thoughts on the house of Levi? Where do we leave leave Levi off? Say that three times fast. In the movie, the Ten Commandments. In the movie, The Ten Commandments, uh, how did they work it out to where they knew the baby was Hebrew? Do you remember? No. I don't think I've ever actually watched that, believe it or not. The blanket. Yeah. Oh, it, it was a it. Hebrew blanket. <laughs> That's almost as bad as the word translation for not for save instead of return. Yeah, I didn't. I don't see that. Did you see where that verse was? Where it talks about the blanket? Uh, I didn't see that. So, speaking of Levi, where did we leave Levi off last time? Besides the generations, what was what was the what was the story with Levi? I'll give you a hint. Was Simeon and Levi? What was the story with Simeon and Levi? Well, when they. Uh Killed the men of Shechem. Right. And then Jacob gave him a blessing, air quotes, and it wasn't much of a blessing, was it? Yeah, it said they would be uh, scattered. They'd be scattered, and it was, it was a curse, really. But here, we'll, we'll keep reading, because we'll know, and we're talking about Moses, and he comes from Levi. It's almost like the tribe of Levi has been redeemed in a way. He's been, he's been uh, well redeemed. Well, wasn't the curse, well, I guess the blessing for when they were would go to the land, I mean, it didn't actually take effect while they were still in Egypt, did it? No, because I'm Because they're all living in Goshen. I'm just pointing out, why, why the Levites? That's kind of my question. Why not the Moses the, 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 from the tribe of Ephraim or Manasseh or Judah or why Levi? That's my and I'm just contrasting it between where he was when you went to Reuben and Simeon and Levi. Those three guys didn't get much of a blessing. Like you couldn't really even call it a blessing. Kenneth? And part of too was um, because the reason why they didn't get much of a blessing was their behavior. So they earned that blessing. But by third generation, it would have been up into the third or fourth generation for like a reset. Could be. Likely preparing them to potentially step in for the priesthood of the Levites. They eventually became the priesthood. Right. And, and also we find out when the Levites find out about what happened with the golden calf, their experience of wiping people out, the Shechem's, oh, we can, we're pretty good at that. We'll even wipe out our own people. Because they even wiped out their own Levites that were participating in that golden calf. Ritual. John. Yes. 
So I, uh, I, uh, Hey, wait a minute. He doesn't have a mic. <laughs> heard it said that, you know, how think of the Vikings, how, what did they send off floating down the river? I forgot. Was it a baby? I don't remember. No, they're dead. Oh, that's right. So they would send the dead off. Well, the, the Egyptians did the same thing. They would send the dead off to the netherworld floating in the, in a, uh, a barge or a, you know something. So to them, having or to these women having this baby floating on this thing down the river, and instead of to death, it was alive. To them, it was a special baby. It was some, to them it meant something's very special. So and this is why they're expecting Moshe, his name Moshe means drawn from the water, literally drawn from death. Right. I would think the Norwegians thought up of that because. The ground was always frozen. It's too hard to bury them, so they just... <laughs> Let's come up with a tradition. We'll put them in a raft and send them down the river. Yeah, God told me to do that. Oh, you're going to come up with the easiest thing. Just put them on top of a thing and burn it. Well, that's true. But then you've got to burn the wood. It's so cold. I don't want to burn on them. How old was the baby at this time? Three months. Uh, three months old? That's what it so, says. Uh, what does three mean? Uh, so right after he was born, then that's when uh, he was uh, put into a basket, and uh, so he would float down the river. I think it's a miracle that in a river with the current and everything else that God directed the current exactly to a spot where God knew that the baby uh, Moses would be found. What else is in the river? Crocs, crocodiles, crocodiles, snakes, all kinds of all, hippopotamuses, all the bad things. So I, I, I just, I, I noticed three months. I guess after three months, it's kind of people know that you're pregnant. It's not like, oh, you've been eating too many cookies. You're, you're, you're expecting. So she couldn't hide it anymore. That's what I would interpret. But three also means like revelation. Oh, you're right. Dang it, I had a good midrash going there, and you just messed it up for me. But it is revelation. After three months, he's revealed to, to the pharaohs anyway. So how many times in Scripture do we see um, something snatched from death and used prophetically for uh, the kingdom of God? Well, the sons of Israel crossed the Red Sea, and they were... They were snatched from death of the pharaohs, but they made it through the they made it through the Red Sea without getting getting drowned, like what happened to the pharaohs. Is that what you're, one of the ones you're talking well, about? Yeah, or? that's one of them. So you've got uh, you got Moshe, you've got Noah, Noah. you've got uh, there's several of them that have been used. You could say David because David was sought after to be killed multiple times. But where I'm going to go ultimately here is. So a lot of times they're used for something prophetic, and Ephraim has been snatched from the jaws of death because Ephraim had the death sentence on him, and yet he's been pulled from that. And now, as I pointed out the other day, this rod is going to be, they're going to be used as something very prophetic in the last days. Right. I thought of another one. Who didn't drown as a result of being swallowed by a big fish? 
So I, I can either drown or I get to live three days in the, the belly of a fish. Hmm. Green pill, blue pill, red pill. You ask about the number three, since Moses ended up being a savior of the people, is it a foreshadowing of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one God in the, the three in one, right? being the savior of his people? I just thought of one right now. Who's the third son of Jacob? Levi. Reuben, Simeon, Levi. Uh, did we talk? Oh, here's a word. Where did we read to? Yeah, this word. This is an interesting word. Uh, And when, verse 3, and when she could not no lot longer hide him, she took him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and dabbed it with slime and with pitch. Let's look up those words. Pitch, that's one we could look up. Slime. No, the pit, what do I want to look up? A three ninety two. Where is A three ninety two? Yeah, I know, but I'm looking for a particular word. I don't think it was slime. I think it was clay, and that part of the world is a special type of clay that is used for uh, different things. Well, yeah, but vechamar. Uh, is this the word I'm looking for? Where is this first used? This is where they used it on the bricks? Well, that yeah, that's where I thought it was. That was when, when Noah put, he covered the ark with slime to make it waterproof. I don't know why it doesn't show up here. But it also, they used that on the, uh, the Tower of Babel. And they said one to another, go to let us make brick and, and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime. No, that's not it. Yeah. I thought that's the... Ah, uh, clay. Pitch and... For him an ark of bulrushes, that's what it says in the King James. Gome. <clears throat> that's the like the the reeds or whatever. I don't know where the clay is. What is it? Does it say clay in your in your translation, Joseph? Why would you so you know? Anyway, I thought the word slime was interesting because it, they, they, it, it, I believe it was used in the ark to preserve, back to the water thing, that preserved uh, Noah from, the, from the, the water and it preserved Moses from 
his little arc, micro arc. Okay, let's see. Oh, the mini arc. Eight twenty-six, huh? The mini arc. The mini arc. Mini me. Like mini me. Well, it's eight twenty-six. Any other questions? I don't want to go any further. I remember where we're at. Verse seven. Two seven. Any other thoughts about this? We've only got a couple minutes left. All right. Let's end in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to come together and study your word, to study your Torah. It is a great honor. It's a privilege to try to understand what it is you would have us do. And we pray for everybody here that on their way home that they be safe. We also pay, pray for Brother Judah in Israel that's being under attack. Pray for them as well. We pray for all these things in the power, name, and authority of your Son, Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Yeah, he's, he's uh, he gives us, uh, he's on uh, 